Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. L-I-G-H-T, come and light the fight with Heidi and me. What's up, everybody? This is Light the Fight. That's pretty good. That in, feels in honor, <laughs> in honor to all those, all joking aside, to all those poor cheerleaders and football players throughout the United States that aren't able to play football this season, that, even though you'll never hear this, that was for you. Um, man, that was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm sad there may not be a college football season for for my college football team, man. They they may take the whole season off. I just found out, so I don't know. So gloomy times. I, I thought I'd start off with a little fake cheer. You like that cheer, Heidi? I like that cheer a lot. It always amazes me how you can rhyme on the fly like that. Do you guys you, know, you guys know that David's secret, what he wants to be, what he wants to be when he grows up, is a rapper. Well, some people in school, they did this thing where they listened to the teacher, right? Like paid attention. Other people were beatboxing, playing drums <laughs> with the pencils on the desk, and trying to distract everyone who was trying to pay attention. Let's I was try to the guess which one was it. Was I it. was the latter. <laughs> and then in that process, I thought if I could put my name and rhyme it perfectly in popular songs that people knew, I would get a laugh. And so what I did was I did that all day every day at school so i apologize to everyone who had to sit next to me in school i'm sorry for being a nuisance you know you get good at what you practice right david yeah i, I got really good at you know <laughs> talking talking to people that didn't want to talk turned out it became our profession everybody like, shh, shh, i'm sorry i'm trying to pay attention i'm like, trying to pay attention i'm like yeah but it's boring <laughs> how would you want to do that and they'd be like okay he's got a good point i'm like man he's convincing I know there are, there has to be things in our youthfulness that somehow has turned into our strengths as adults, mm. right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I well, will say this, that every single one of my report cards from the time I was in kindergarten to the very end of school was talks too much. And mm. I still, I still have that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think no one has a hard time believing that, so we'll just move on from that simple <laughs> truth. That's not like a that's not like a newsflash. Heidi <laughs> talked too much when she Thanks was a kid. Thanks for pointing that so. out. Yep. No, I'm, I'm just I'm, like, yeah. I own it. I'm wearing it like a badge of honor. <laughs> You're living in your truth. That's right. <laughs> it's just not. It's just not. It's just not that flattering. <laughs> <laughs> I try to occasionally care about what other people think too. Yeah. Oh, wait, hey, we're supposed to, we're doing a podcast here. Our file, guys, we forgot you guys were with us. This is still Light the Fight bantering and occasionally Light the Fight podcast. I is David. And I'm I'm Heidi. I'm not, I isn't Heidi. I is, I'm just Heidi. Yeah. He always and tries to get me to do that. He always tries to get me to say, I is Heidi. It's not I know, that's what I'm trying to do. And, <laughs> and if you're thinking, did he just like say, I is? And if you think, 
that I lack intelligence, you are correct, but not because of that statement. I meant to say that. I'm just trying to get Heidi to say that. So. <laughs> I'm never going to. No, no. I'm not going to fall well, into your traps. Well, thanks for having chores to do or a ride, a long drive that, you know, you just said time to kill and, and joining us here at Light the Fight. Um, you know, before we get started, as always, I want to thank our, uh, our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. Big shout out to them. If they could see us right now, if you could see us right now, I'm raising the roof for 1-800-CONTACTS. And <laughs> for those of you who aren't from the 80s or 90s, you take your hands, okay, put your elbows to your side, put your flops, your palms up towards the ceiling, and just push your hands like you're raising something towards the ceiling. That is the official raise the roof. There you go. <laughs> so you can't say you didn't learn anything here at Light the Fight. That's what he but, does uh, when he's DJing for himself, you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I uh, want to give a big shout out to one of our contacts and thank him for their continued support of Light the Fight podcast. And I also wanted to have Heidi share something. She's a little trickster. Heidi's out there trying to, out there getting information. And so she did one of these things where it's called a poll, right? You know, asking some questions. And that's a very good way for, for her to get information, but for us to also get information here and light the fight. So Heidi, our community reporter, our community, uh, what do we used to call you? The um, correspondent. The shame, the shame correspondent. <laughs> Heidi, Heidi goes out there and looks to be offended or upset at things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she just goes well, out there and have experiences. So tell us the experience you had with, with running this, maybe like what, how you decided to do it or like, what, what, what were you thinking? And then what okay, happened? So in this particular situation, if you guys follow me on Instagram at Heidi swap, if you don't, you should, cause I'm really entertaining. Absolutely. I'm yep. super <laughs> no. Um, so I have been for about four months. I think this is, I'm going on my fourth month. May, June, July. Yeah, my fourth month. I'm teaching an online class about journaling, documenting with some bedazzle. I will admit it right here. It's not just regular journaling. It's cool journaling. Um, and he, here's the thing. So for this is kind of sounds like a, a shameless plug for my workshop, but really just information. Really just need to explain this. So okay. um, for the last, so since 2014, six years, I have created, every year I've created a product called a memory planner, which is weird um, because we all know what like Franklin Covey planner is. And that kind of paper planner went away when, um, in like 2010, 11, when the Smart iPhone phones, came out, yeah. everyone's like, oh, I don't need a paper planner because I've got this nifty um, electronic version. And then people started realizing like, okay, I need to put down my phone for one thing. And then they started right. wanting to plan on paper again. And there became to be a, like all these studies about how valuable it is to actually write things down. And for me, um, as a memory keeper, I was getting really far behind on like my traditional scrapbooking. This is a long story. And I started to like call it micro journaling, which is a calendar based or like, like a planner, but you document something about every day. And for me, what it does is it helps. And I call it stop the blur. So have you ever been in a situation, David, where you're like, Oh, and, and you have, cause I've heard you say it before. Oh, this week was just a blur. Yeah, or, absolutely. Oh my gosh. This, you know, the summer was just a blur. 
or this whole semester has just been a blur. And we say that all the time because what's happened is all the experiences that we have are just flailing around in our inside our consciousness and outside our consciousness, but we haven't really like processed them. They're just out there spinning around, right? So the name of my workshop is actually called Stop the Blur, which is what you do when you actually write down an experience. You write down what happened because then it's no longer a blur. You actually remember it. Okay. So for me personally, it's become a very powerful mental health um, tool for me, not only because they're the creative outlet, which isn't important for me personally, but writing down and stopping the blur gives me a chance to just kind of like bring everything into focus, acknowledge how I felt about it, whether it was a high or a low or who the heck knows, and own it. Whatever that is, I'm writing it down. I'm acknowledging that it happened and it allows me to process through all the things. Right. And so, um, okay. So that's part of like my sales pitch on this class is that a lot of us just feel out of control. Um, and, and that to me is kind of a function of like, if you go back to pre COVID life, you know, that was, I think a lot of things we talked about with COVID is that we slowed down. And so it helped us maybe not feel as chaotic. Um, Anyway, today I decided to just kind of lob some questions out into the interwebs on my Instagram stories. And I did it this afternoon. Um, and from, from about now, I, I have about 5,000 people who have participated in this poll. So I'm going to go ahead and share with you kind of what I learned. Um, the first thing I asked um, again, and so just kind of think in your head about 5,000 people responded to this. And this is 5,000 people like all, all over um, whatever time zone people are actually awake in the last, you know, eight hours or something. Um, so the first question is, do you feel like this time of life is taking a toll on your mental health? 86% said yes. said no. The next question I asked is, have you noticed increased anxiousness and stress? 89% said yes. Then I asked, are you finding intentional ways to care for your personal mental health? 69% said yes. So 31% said no. And the last question that I asked was, do you have go-to activities or solutions that you know work to support your mental health? 42% said they don't know what to do. And 58% said they know what works for them. Um, And then I asked, what is your favorite thing to do to improve your mental health. And I got 1,500 responses, which is a lot. I don't usually get that many responses. Um, When I ask people like what their favorite 
kind of colored pencils are. Um, <laughs> so I think what happened is that, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that, that are experiencing this right now. Yeah. So I went through all of these responses and I did not do a thorough counting of what the responses were, but they're basically yeah. three categories. The categories were probably what you would imagine. Um, the number one response was going outside to either garden or exercise. So I kind of clumped. And that was out. an answer to which question? Um, what's your favorite thing to do gotcha. to care for your mental health? Going so outside. number one, number one answer going outside. And some people said exercise, some people said gardening, walking, whatever. Um, the second um, response was crafting. And we also have to consider the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably well, I, have more crafters expect, than exercisers, I'm going to be honest. I would expect that they weren't going to answer powerlifting. Right. There was no jujitsu here. Okay. No powerlifting. Um, and then it kind of, the third thing I would say is meditation or prayer and scriptures. And again, like I said, these are also mothers. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it kind of fragments down into people who are saying, getting off social media, not watching the news, um, therapy, um, being talking to friend, talking to a friend and having some therapy, you know, things like that. So what I thought was pretty awesome is that as adults, a lot of these people, like a majority of them. So let's go back to that again. Um, 69% have know what the intentional thing is that they need to do to kind of deal with stress, anxiety in their lives. Um, and I'm, I'm one of them. I would consider myself to know that like, if I'm having a bad day, I don't feel better when I like set some really high unachievable goal for myself. I feel better when I set a goal of self-care for myself. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of had this experience where I'm noticing these elevated stress levels in my children. Um, I have, you know, one child at home in particular that tends to feel more stressed than another child at home. And um, so I was asking her, <laughs> uh, what, I was asking her these questions and she admitted that she feels um, like her mental health has taken a toll. She feels more stress and anxious. And I asked her if she knows or if, if she is intentional about her mental health. And she kind of looked at me like, what does intentional mean? And then um, I said, well, what do you like to do when you feel stressed? And she said, watch TikTok for hours on end. Um, and I kind of went, oh, that's probably not the number one best thing. I will say to you, 
not one person on my Instagram poll wrote watch hours of TikTok. Capri was the only one that wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> there's an edge disparity. You know, there's a bias, a bias in my poll. My point. Of course, of course. Um, but I thought it was really telling. I was glad to see that so many of the people that follow me find that crafting is relieving for their mental, emotional health. Um, And I'm the same way. I really love to be outside. It's far more comforting to me to go outside and walk or hike than it is for me to go downstairs and try to do like an exercise video. Yeah. Um, But I think that right now, as we're being honest with ourselves across the board, that our circumstances are taking a toll on our mental health. And I I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would dispute that at all. Um, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, It's definitely time to ask ourselves, what are we doing about that? How are we modeling that with our children? And are we having conversations like open, candid conversations about what are we doing? What can we try to do to relieve that anxiousness and stress that we're going to inevitably feel, especially, you know, as we go back to school with no extracurricular activities, with masks on, not being allowed to carry backpacks or, you know, whatever all those stipulations are. Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm glad I did that poll. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty telling. Um, it, those numbers are very high. And like you say, everyone kind of acknowledges that this is, you know, a very difficult and challenging time. And anything that's difficult and challenging that people go through usually takes a toll on their psychological, mental, and emotional well being. Um, <clears throat> but one thing that, that I think, um, fortunately enough we have some questions that are going to help us with this but one thing that i think that we we try to do a really good job here on the podcast is to acknowledge that the people listening to this podcast are the ones that have the greatest influence meaning you're looking for something that's going to help you have a conversation with your kid or loved one handle a situation with tact or an approach that maybe is outside of of what you were taught when you're when you're raised or other experiences that you might've had with other kids in your family. You know, you might have a kid that, you know, is, is bringing problems and situations to, to your family that you've never had to deal with before. And, you know, if, if you're looking for something like information on how to have a better family, how to be a better parent, how to have good close relationships with your loved ones and how to take care of your mental and emotional health, <clears throat> then listening to a podcast like this should really give you one main overarching thing. It's all on you. Like, I know it's weird. Huh? Yeah. No pressure guys. Yeah. No pressure. What I mean, it's all on you is that it's all on you because all eyes are on you. If you're a parent, which I assume you're listening to this, you're a parent or about to be one. All eyes are always on you. You're center stage. Well, at least for 18 years. And when you're center stage and all eyes are on you, if 
if your kids using this example, if you're trying to be a better parent, if your kids, if you want them to learn how to handle difficult, stressful things, you don't want to blast them and like tell, tell them 10 things that they need to do. Intuitively, we all know that setting up some sort of scenario, setting up some sort of situation where you guys can work on it together, or come up with a solution and figure it out involving them. That's, that's how your kids are going to learn, especially as they get older. But when we're not involving them, when we're questioning them, when, when we're fearful and, and we're coming at them um, in a way that's even very typical to maybe the way our parents handled us when we were growing up, if we're not figuring out different ways to handle you know, the problems and challenges in our families, then we're going to feel stressed and feel like we've, we've figured everything out. But by listening to this podcast and doing things such as this, you're willing to take risks. You're willing to accept that, hey, I haven't figured everything out. If someone else has some good tips and some good pointers, then I'm game to give it a shot. And I just want everybody to know that because, you know, when when Heidi's talking about, you know, the quarantine and, and the questions that we have coming up, they're all revolving around people concerned and worried about their kids. But everyone has different influences and different ways to influence your kids. I want you to figure out what is the best ways for you to influence. Now, I'm saying kids. We could be referring to your job situation, um, some mental health stresses because of the quarantine, whatever it is that stress or that challenge, you know, in, in front of you right now that you're saying, Hey, listen, I want to get better at this. And, and, and I want to do that. Then being able to model that and exemplify a reaction that you'd want people around you to also have in that situation is by far the best way to do it. So I always applaud everyone that listens to this podcast or any podcast or reads any good books where you're just trying to step up your game. You're trying to figure out how do I handle maybe some of the situations that you've had to deal with in the past, but now COVID's made it more difficult. But how do you handle difficult situations better? How do you get better at doing or handling difficult things? And if you get better at that, guess what? Your example and your modeling of how to handle those situations also gets better. Yeah. Well, do you want to just jump into a question? Yeah, let's let's jump into some questions. Okay, I'm going to share this question that that came in, um, and this I can tell this is a soul sister of mine because she wrote this super long question, and then she like thought to herself, "David is going to want me to say this again with less words," and then she did that. But because like she's but because she's my soul sister, I'm gonna yeah. read to you the wordy part. And then and by the way, for by the way, for everyone out there that if you're sending questions, if you give me a long wordy part, that's totally fine. That's totally okay. But Heidi knows because she's worked with me and I worked with her family that the long wordy parts sometimes need to be shaved down to the point where get more done. Yeah. And it's true. Okay, so. Um, she's talking about someone who's going to be a junior in high school. Um, she says, you know, everything is going to be distance learning where they are, at least through the end of the year, sports and extracurriculars on hold. Um, her son's life of activities and social experiences have ground to a fast halt, just like, you know, everybody has. Um, and there's no sign of improvement in the near or distant future. I don't know how to help him. I don't know how to fill the void that the loss of track, cross country, speech, debate tournaments, running the student assemblies through student government, 
I don't know how to provide the growth opportunities that these activities would have given him at this fabulous point in his life. So here she comes with like the, okay, that was a lot. Let me rephrase. She says, I guess the question is what growth opportunities can I create for a 16 year old during the pandemic when there are, when there's nothing in high school, no activities, no clubs, and no social interaction? I think it's a great question. And the number one growth activity, I think, should be, I'm speaking to this woman, uh, number one growth activity should be the growth of you and your son's relationship. Not his own personal growth. And, well, first of all, you have you have influence, a greater influence over you and his relationship than you do his own individual personal growth at this age in his life. So let me paint a picture for you. If you're a parent that sees your kids struggling, which all those things you said, you, if you're a good parent, and especially if you're a good mom, you're going to feel your son's pain. You're going to be, your heart's going to be wretched. Every time he's sad and he's like, leave me alone, I'm just mad because my school missed, you're going to be like, you're going to be thinking about what could I bake him, make him, buy him? What could I do to take this pain away from my baby boy? And I'm not making fun of moms and saying that's no, just a natural 100%. thing. Totally natural. Like it's not, it's you just don't even have to be a good mom to have this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can be a mom that still parties. For you can be a marginal kids. mom and still feel bad. <laughs> and still feel bad, right? And feel bad, right? So, you know, if, 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 if you're a mom, you know, and, and, and you're in a situation where, you're, uh, or let's speak specifically this mom with this mom in this situation, it's going to be painful for you to watch, but he's learning how to deal with pain by watching you handle his pain. So if the way you handle this is to constantly bake him cookies and buying him things and doing everything to try to, well, can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? Even though at times it may be relieving, even though at times he may accept it, if it's money or fun things, whatever, not only does it not actually help, what it doesn't do is it doesn't get you respect. It doesn't allow you to be a parent that he sees as being strong and capable. It looks like you're a scared parent that's trying to soften the blow of all the hardships because it looks as if even you think this is horrible. As a parent that's lived a long life, you have to model, this isn't horrible. This is extraordinarily painful and unfortunate, but horrible is a whole nother level. As adults, you're probably more likely to experience horrible, more horrible, painful things in your kids. But for them, acknowledging that this is difficult, acknowledging that this is a hard time for them, allowing them to... to to get those things off their chest. And for this mom, having your son complain and you just sitting with it and be like, oh man, like this pains me to hear me, but you know, I'd rather you vent about it and get it off your chest instead of being all pent up and just tell me, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. He could be like, this is BS, let him rant. If it's a moment where he needs to rant, let him rant and say this is unfair. Don't try to say, hey, you know, well, you know, the principal is doing the best they can. This Don't defend anyone. Don't come to anyone's aid. Let your son or whoever you are out there listening to this, I'm talking to this woman right now, but let your son or your daughter, your child, let them go through it and show them that you're feeling what they're feeling, but you're not thrown off and you're not frantically trying to create some sort of happiness for them. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do nice things for your kids. It doesn't mean that I'm suggesting that you just go, hey, listen, you know, you got to deal with it and toughen up. 
No, that that's the old school way. Just like deal with it and toughen up. The new school way is the more the coddling. Like, how can I stop them from doing that? The partnership way is like, it sucks. Come on, tell me how bad it sucks. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. If it's gonna suck really bad, might as well suck with some good food in your stomach. We're gonna go to this restaurant. Let's go. You just keep it moving. You don't want to sulk in it, and that's an art form in itself to address it, but to not like bathe in the pain. Not to like, because as a parent, last thing you want to do is you want to show up and validate their feeling. But if you show up and validate their feelings too often, too much, guess what? They're survivors, your little teenagers, and they're manipulators. They will use that to pull on your your heartstrings to get something else from you. Then when you realize you're being taken advantage of a little bit, you're going to take it personal as if they're taking advantage of you. When in reality, they're just teenagers trying to get what they want. It's just a, it's just a thing that teenagers do. So that can cause some problems in, in the relationship. It's really important as a parent that you, your kids get to see you handling them going through a difficult time is if you're 100% confident they're going to come out of it. You don't have to have proof that they're going to come out of it. You don't have to know that they're going to come out of it because you've never been through uh, a quarantine, but you do have to exemplify and model for them that you believe that your family, them and you have what it takes to come out of it. And any hardship they're going, you'll sit there with them. You'll sit there with them. And when they're done complaining or done going through that, then you'll keep it moving. You know, I, I want to, I would like to add two thoughts um, on what you said, because I really like what you said. The first one is that what she said is how can I provide growth opportunities for my son? And I think that one thing that I want to point out is that there are some amazing growth opportunities just in, in what's happening. So like, it's not like this is a, the fact that it's different doesn't mean that it's, it's bad. It's not what we expected. And that's hard. One of the things that David said to me, actually, right before we came on air, is he said that you have to, you remember what you said, David, about the pill? Oh, yeah. You want to say it? No, you say it. I, I said, uh, I was talking to a client recently, and I said something along the lines of, um, you got to swallow the pill of your ideal. Swallow the pill of your ideal. I mean, like, we all have our ideal situation. And I hear this from young people, but I hear it from adults too. This isn't fair. If COVID didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened. If this wouldn't happen, like, my life would have been so much better. And, you know, we're almost at five months into this. So if you're still in that place and you're still really just kind of in those muddy waters of like, bah, huh, like, this is unfair. This is not right. I can't believe this is happening. Well, then guess what you're not doing? You're probably not moving forward and progressing a lot. It's the old, you know, you can't like protect yourself and progress at the same time. You know, you can't like, you know, like just try to make sure everything's safe and be able to move forward because moving forward takes a little bit of risk. I want to repeat what you just said, because I wrote it down. It really struck me because you said, if we aren't, if we are protecting, we're not progressing. And, you know, I just, I'm quickly, and and I I don't know if we're trying to rapid fire, but we're failing at the rapid fire. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I want to just share like recently, um, and I've talked about this a little bit in, in a couple of past episodes, my daughter, uh, Quincy, my oldest daughter was called to serve a mission for our church. And she, um, was called back in February before, you know, the pandemic was out. And so at that time when she accepted the call and I accepted the call in of my portion, <laughs> um, yeah. 
you know, I was mentally prepared that she would, you know, we would get her packed up. We would send her to the training center. She would learn the language and then she would go like, I was mentally prepared for everything that was going to happen. And I actually served a mission and I know what it was like to go to that training center. And I know the experience that I had. And when I found out she couldn't go to the training center, I was crushed. Like I was sobbing because I was sad and carrying this burden that she wouldn't get to have this experience. And, um, and she doesn't even know she's missing out. She didn't even know. <laughs> right. She didn't even know. And so then I had to kind of do what you just suggested. I had to swallow the pill of, well, okay, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. And so I accepted it and it actually turned out to be a great experience for her and for me. Was it ideal? Was it what I thought it was going to be? What a, was it what we even signed up for? No, but it was a growth experience, 110%. And it was hard for me to swallow that pill. And I choked it up and gagged it up several times, if we're being honest. But I, in this situation, it benefited both of us more than just if Quincy would have gone to the mission train center and I just would have stood there clapping for myself in the mirror. What a great job I did, you know, as a mom or whatever, you, you know, I, I was yeah. doing and I didn't have to, I didn't have to learn something. If Quincy was going to the MTC and everything was how it was, I didn't have to learn anything. Maybe that was part of why I was so frustrated. But in this circumstance, as we as parents sit in this, with our children. And we also share the fact that they're missing their senior year on, on the football team, or they're not going to be in that debate tournament that they, they finally were going to be the, the number one person on that team. We're actually sharing this experience. And what David said very first is don't worry about so much the personal growth development, worry about the, the development of your relationship. Can you join together in this and give up the protection of your sadness, give up the protection of the ideal, give up the protection of the unknown or the known and bravely enter into the situation open to progression because that's the growth opportunity that we're talking about. Well, yeah, if, if you're, if you're a highly trained athlete and you get ready for a big time event, as the event comes, if it looks really, if the competition looks unbeatable, if the situation looks dire, like you're not going to win, you don't have coaches saying, Hey, listen, tell you what, you know, let's just, you know, let's, let's just slow down the training a little bit. You're not going to be able to get there. Let's just back it up. Um, you know, let's, let's not put in too much effort in this. Tell you what, forget about your diet. Let's go get some pizza. Let's just enjoy this whole moment experience and opportunity. It's not even take it that serious. It's, that's not what motivators, coaches, leaders, that's not what they do. They don't say, oh my, they don't say, oh my gosh, this is such a hard thing. Let's make it easier on you. They say it's hard, which is why we're making the training, the preparation even harder. We're, we're constantly pushing. And how could you give that confidence as a coach to an athlete if you do not believe in their potential? Every athlete needs their coach. Every musician needs you know, their, their you know, music teacher to believe in them, right? Our also, kids, this is right. We usually don't want the parents to be the coaches. Exactly. Our kids <laughs> need the same thing for us. Yeah, we can have our fears, our criticisms, but when, it, when push comes to shove, 
we got to be their best, you know, wingmen. We got to be in their corner. And this is an opportunity where you to help grow the relationship. Talking to the woman who gave him this question, great opportunity for you to help grow the relationship between you and your son because you are not just the launching pad for him to go into adult life. You're a, you're a safe place and a safe person to come talk to. So if you're helping him get through it by not trying to like make this senior year or things junior high school, you know, perfect form and just as he goes through the struggle, just sit with him in the struggle. Say, hey, if you need anything, let me know and give him space. Too many moms up there tell me. Um, not up there, but out there, ask me like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Nine times out of 10 in these type of situation, I'm like you're doing too much. Like you need to do less. You need to show more confidence in short statements and then support on the back end. But when your kids are going through a quarantine, they're pissed off and bitter and upset. If you're trying to jump and trying to satisfy every bad mood that they have, oh my gosh, you're going to be out of energy, exhausted, and you're going to be getting frustrated because they're always going to be, not they're always going to be, but there's always going to be something for them to be irritated and frustrated with that the quarantine is messed up about their life. You know, as I read the next two questions that, um, that came in, they're, they're kind of the same. Well, they're both different circumstances but I almost think kind of like often the answer is the same to yeah. different questions which is kind of what I think was a hard question a hard thing I had to learn about therapy was when I thought that I had to actually tell you every single detail of everything that I've ever experienced since I was a kindergartner so that you could understand it so that you could actually yeah. <laughs> personally when when what I learned was that actually they're the same response for a lot of different circumstances. So I just want to kind of ha- give you a chance to illustrate that with two other questions that, that yeah. come in. Do, do we have time? Do we want to answer one now and save one for next week? Well, we sure could. We okay. sure could. But, yeah. and so let me just throw this out. This mom is actually talking about a, a son who has graduated and is moving from high school into college. And she says that he goes, he's gone from at the beginning of last year, one year ago at this time, um, a student, student body president, very confident and super involved um, to suffering severe depression that was completely unlike him. And it, since that, since last time at this last year at this time, he has basically done a 180, and now he's severely depressed, floundering, lacking um, enthusiasm, doesn't have the same drive that he used to have. And she says, "I'm just trying to figure out the best way to help him during this new phase of life. He's the best kid." And my heart is breaking to help him. Well, you're right. There, there's a lot of similarities uh, with what I said before, so I'm not going to get too long-winded. The best way to help someone is to sit with them and to really put yourself in their shoes and try to understand where they're coming from. But as any listener of ours knows, you got to do that without asking a bunch of questions. And maybe some people are calling me mentioning this, but in some tribes they had different names for them, but it's basically like a, a, an emotional medicine man or woman. 
Um, I believe in translation, I remember I was reading about this one tribe, they called them like a sitter, um, like, cause there was someone that would sit with you and do your work with you, do your chores with you, whatever it may be. And when someone was going through depression or something really bad, someone would kind of just show up and start sitting with them. And it was their job, but kind of like a organic job where they'd sit with that person, they'd help them out. And then, um, when, you know, the person felt better, they stopped sitting with them. And the whole entire point of that is that being questioned and being interrogated and someone having this huge intention to try to help you from your depression that you may not even understand how it happened or what's going on can unfortunately put pressure on the person that you're trying to help that they have to figure it out and they have to do it in a time that's okay with you because you don't want to burden someone. You don't want someone to have to always be there for you them feel responsible for how bad you feel about the situation exactly 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 and so um anyways maybe while it's so short is that um we have to know what someone's really going through and you don't get to know what someone's going through by asking them questions and having them explain you get to go you get to know what someone's going through by just sitting with them spending time with them hearing out all their complaints anger and frustration and sadness And every now and then they'll bring something else up, but prompting and trying to be their counselor and, and trying to correct their feelings or change their feelings. None of that happens in my experience until you sat with someone long enough. And a lot of times for me as a professional, I'll also do that for multiple sessions before I can really do anything really deep and inspiring for some people, because some people, it just takes a little while for your frequency and their frequency to come together. And next thing you know, they just go, okay, here's my life story. <laughs> some people say it off the bat and other people, it just has to be this more, it has to take some time to get on the same wavelength. And as a parent, when you're watching your kid go through depression, struggling, you're fearful for the future. How can you sit with them when you're out in front fearing for them, scared for them? That's that, that's that's not that's not the the med- emotional medicine man or woman approach. The emotional medicine man or woman approach is I got to get to know what you're going through. The only way I get to got the only way I can get to know what you're going through is I got to sit with you. I got to be around you. You know, got to be familiar with what it's like for you. So that, that's how I'd answer that question. Work on making your kids feel more safe, more secure. I'm talking about the ones who are showing depression. You know, might be bottling a lot of stuff up, make them feel more safe and secure. But also remember, you're also their coach and their best mentor. Don't give them those little cheesy, like, oh my gosh, you got out of bed before noon and brushed your teeth. I'm so proud of you. That's so amazing. Don't do that for a 17 year old because you shouldn't be proud of that. And that's definitely not amazing. There's nothing amazing about that. But what you want to do is if they do something like clean the room, walk by, look at the room, say, right on. I appreciate it. Just keep walking. Just little, slight little compliments, little mic drops. That's an easier way because think about it. I don't think any human being really takes compliments well. For those people who aren't narcissistic or you know have some serious <laughs> mental health issues, most human beings, if to different various degrees, it's hard to take a compliment. We like them. We appreciate them, but they're not always easy to accept. They're not always easy to say. So, <laughs> so imagine if you're a parent trying to give a compliment 
to your teenager or your adult child who's feeling down and depressed, especially because you're the parent, it's going to come with not a lot of weight behind it because it's easy for them to say, well, you're my parent. You know, you're just saying that you love me. Even if, yeah, even if they appreciate it, they know you, you know, you have to say that. That's why when I suggest people make those, you know, bold statements, it's really bold and it is mic drop. It's like, hey, listen, I know you're depressed right now. I know you're struggling. And I also know this is not who you are. I changed your diapers as a kid. I know who you are. This is what you're going through. Trust me. Yeah, you didn't clean up your room, do anything I asked you to do. And yeah, I'm not happy about that. And I'm also happy that we're talking right now, that we had dinner tonight. You know, that, that's how you just keep the conversations going. People like to talk to people who they don't have to have their guard up around thinking that that person is going to ask a question or do something to trigger their insecurities and shame. If you're a parent that can sit with your child while they're struggling, they will eventually start talking. I guarantee it. They'll open up. They, you just, you can't give up too soon. You got to stay in character and you got to stay in the role. You know, if anything, I think this time of weirdness, pandemic, quarantine, all the things, it is a really obvious opportunity for conversation. And, um, you know, and to share both, humanity. Yes. And for parents, for parents to say, I'm scared too, or I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like you can be a human with your kids. Uh, you know, and so I think even today as we, as we wrap up, that would be my kind of parting thoughts is have the conversation. No matter where your kid is at, you know that there's some heightened something. You're feeling it too. Have the conversation, you know. Um, so as always, you guys, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you passing on um, to those who may need this information. Um, I'm always continuously amazed at how many people I run into and um, am introduced to that have found the podcast at, at varying different places and needs. And um, so if you run into somebody who needs this information, um, we sure appreciate you sharing it. And of course, forever, we thank you for helping us to light the fight.